Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Space battles, time travel, and the big question, what is the meaning of life? Episode 8 of Lower Decks gives us Boimler's sequel to Mariner's Season 1 hollow adventure, Crisis Point. And not only do we get amazing adventure, tumultuous time travel, and exciting action, we also get dramatic insight into the human adventure. Grab your popcorn and your 3D glasses and head to Holodeck 1, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion presented by Fansets. Episode 8 of Lower Decks gives us Captain Dagger of the USS Wayfarer, saving the day in the opening sequence of the latest Crisis Point Hollow Adventure. But as with most Lower Decks episodes, Boimler's plan of outdoing Mariner's original is thwarted when he gets some bad news from Commander Ransom. But that won't stop the rest of the Lower Deckers from having some fun at saving the universe and an action-packed romp that has a few twists of its own. And as always, to help me break down this week's episode are my two amazing co-hosts, Bill Smith and Casey Shasky. Casey, welcome back, buddy. And I got to say, the callbacks in this one were pretty awesome, and it's yet another example of the love that Mike McMahon and his team have for all of Star Trek. Well, it's great to be here with you two. And yes, this episode was fantastic. I love this. Oh my gosh, there's so much to this episode. Whoa. Yeah, we're going to get into all the good details in just a few minutes. Uh, But Bill, we get Romulans, we get time travel, and we get giant squid ambassadors in this one. So I guess it's just the normal for any regular Lower Decks episode, wouldn't you say? Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) uh, plus we get uh, uh, folding time. Yes. Like origami, and I'm all here for that. I've got some thoughts about that later, which I think could be pretty cool, but it's great to be back, buddy. It's always great to have both of you. I I can't do this without you, and uh, we're going to have a great discussion. But before we do get to that discussion, Bill, uh, why don't you tell everyone how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Sure thing, Dan. All right, look, people. (laughs) Seriously, we tell you every week. Every week. You know the drill by now. Oh, Talk know. to us. Talk. We want to hear from you. Hear us. I mean, come on. this show is better with you as a part of it. That's right. We know oh, you yeah. listen. We want to hear your beautiful and mellifluous tones mellifluous. in our ears. Oh. So get the Trek Geeks app. Send us some feedback. Get on Camp Kittimer. Send us some feedback. Any of these places, 
we're going to wind up using your feedback. And that's really what it comes down to, Dan. Feedback. Get it I get to it. us. <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, we don't have to go through any other crap because y'all have heard it every single week and we're tired of it. Anyway. Black alert. Black alert. Before we start our discussion, we do want to warn our listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks contains, you guessed it, spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek episode, Star Trek Lower Decks episode eight, stop listening right now. Go over to Paramount Plus, stop laughing at me, watch the episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Because failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details. Dun, dun, dun. For Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. You almost said Paradoxers, didn't you? Yeah. I almost did, because you put that in my head, you earworm. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) Casey, last week you weren't a big fan of of, uh, Peanut Hamper. Hated uh, it. You give it. A, you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down for this week, my friend. This week, an enthusiastic thumbs up. I love this episode, and um, you know, I, I I can see why the producers writers put last week's episode where it was in between a fantastic DS Nine ish episode mm-hmm. and then this one. Um, God, so much good stuff in this episode. There was a lot of good stuff, Bill. I think that uh, you and I are going to be on the same pages casey this week what did you think i i chopped casey's thumbs off um no uh that's all right that's a call <laughs> that week. sorry um sequels are tough mm-hmm. you know it's tough to do a sequel right star trek did it right going to Rathacon. lower decks has done it exceedingly well going with crisis point two paradoxers i give this <laughs> two thumbs up in any folding time frame Absolutely. I agree 100%. It was a fantastic episode. It was funny. There was some drama in it. There was adventure. Enthusiastic two thumbs up. I'll give six thumbs up because I'm grabbing all y'all's thumbs and putting them where they need to go to show that this was a good episode. So one of the Uh, things I know, I knew you you would like that, gentlemen. Um, One of the things I'm going to start off with as we talk about the episode this week, guys, is this is gonna. This might be a little lengthy, so you're gonna have to bear with me. Is the unbelievable movie references to past Star Trek films that this episode had in its 26 or 28 minutes? Just the Kelvin timeline to start. Casey, wake up. The Kelvin timeline was brilliant. The, the line that Mariner had, I thought that was great. Um, the Wayfarer swooping in to take fire from the Romulans is almost exactly the same as when the Enterprise arrived at the Borg battle in First Contact. What do you think about that, Bill? You, am I? Am, are you with me? Wake up. Oh, I'm sorry. You you were going to drone on and on and on. You were going to list every callback. To <laughs> no, every not film. all at once. We don't have that much time. <laughs> There's a, there were a lot of them. Am, am uh, I right? I thought, I thought that the Kelvin timeline callback was beautiful, especially the way. Tendy punctuated it. Um, I, I liked the I liked the swooping in of the the Wayfarer. Interesting ship name. It's I thought the Boimler would have chosen something else. I, I was going to buy a sofa. I, in every scene in this in this episode, there is some kind of callback. There there are lots of them. This the I thought one of the ones that I liked the most was that the science station that they went to looked just like regular one. And Captain Dagger's girlfriend was wearing the exact same uniform that Dr. Carol Marcus wore in Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Well, and it had the, the, the device at the very beginning of that scene that shoots the, the red tube, yes. which is in the background on regular one. Yeah. It's, in, it's in so many sci-fi things. They, they really made all the, the right callbacks for all the right nerds. They really did. And, of course, your favorite... I'm kidding, movie Generations, because it's not your favorite, Bill. Uh, you don't like Generations at all. There's a ton of them 
callbacks in this one, I thought. The Romulan sisters were like the Dora sisters, which we saw in Generations. Boimler's twin dies in an accident, kind of similar to Picard's nephew and brother. You could it was it was a no. it was an accident that was that was it was no. it was oh I'm Stretch going with it. I, I'm going Stretch. with it. And uh who could who could forget the visit to the Nexus with Captain Sulu watching over Kirk's farm? Spoiler that, alert. That was fit. That's, hey, you know what? That's what we already did. We that, gave right? a spoiler warning yeah. before, dummy. You were sleeping. Um, there are just so many great movie callbacks. I, there's more, but obviously you guys don't want to hear about them, so I'm not going to talk about them anymore. So you just talk about yourselves. Okay, thank you. Well, I just woke up from my nightmare of Dan trying to milk our thumbs. Um, <laughs> there's a hashtag for the week right there. Wow. <laughs> Milky that thumbs. Was scary. <laughs> The references were fantastic. Yes. Right? Uh, let's leave it at that. Yeah. Th- this episode opens with a scene that's pretty intense and kick-ass. And I want to say, I would watch the hell out of that episode. Yeah. Um, I think it would make a great Lower Decks movie for real and not just in the scope of Paradoxes. Because not only was the animation great, the action was great. The writing was fantastic. And I got to say, Boimler with four pips looks pretty good. The uniforms that they're wearing look pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I yes. gotta agree with you. Captain, I can't really say Captain Boimler, but I will. Look pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. Captain Dagger. Captain, what a name! I can't even pronounce his first name, so I'm not even gonna try. I don't, I don't even know what it is. I didn't, I didn't type it down, type it up. So, um, speaking of names, any time that you have a planet named after Fred Tatasciore is pretty good. <laughs> so Tatasciore Nine, and when I saw I, that was one of those laugh out loud moments in this episode when they actually said the name of that planet. Well, and you get Shatnarius, Shat yes, or, or Shatnaria, whatever the name of the planet yeah. was. Sorry, uh, yeah, Shatnari, my bad. Shatnari, yep. Um, uh, there's there's lots of there's lots of love peppered to Star Trek here. Um, I lo- not only love the name, I love all the callbacks to James Horner's original Rathacon music mm-hmm. all throughout this episode. It's very obvious that this mm-hmm. is, you know, the first sequel. It's movie number two, and they pull out all the stops, you know, with with that music, and I love it. It was it was great. Um, they they had the great callbacks to the music. They had the callback to the awesome special effects, like when they're showing the uh, the video uh, when they're at the mm-hmm. space station with the really bad uh, video effects that, <laughs> that we CGI, saw in, yeah. in, in CGI. It, they really they really did a good job of it. One of the other things that was really um, something that I found amazing was the callback to Star Trek five at the end where they go to the planet and mm-hmm. they meet the godlike creature, like in Star Trek five, the rock and man. it's the rock, rock man, man that was cut out of Star Trek five. I mean, just so many good things, but I got to ask a question, an honest question to both of you. I'm not trying to be funny. I really want your yeah. honest answer. And I'll start with you, Bill. When, when Boimler arrived at, what I'm just going to call the Nexus, and we saw the farm with Kirk on the mailbox. Did you think we were going to get a William Shatner voice acting appearance? I didn't, but they did their darndest to make us think that we were mm-hmm. with all the the Shatner callbacks. Right. Um. You know, it's on the planet Shatnari. Um. Yep. It, it was evoking Star Trek Five. It was setting us up to think that we were going to get Kirk, but there's no way. No way that Shatner was going to do that unless they paid him a hefty sum. Let's be honest. Well, that's true. So I didn't mm-hmm. expect that we were going to get Uncle George. And I thought that was amazing. It was amazing. Casey, what did you think? You think we're going to see him or did are you, or were you uh, just now? Nah, this is just another, you know, fake. I, fake. I thought like we might see like a profile uh, of Kirk in that, but no Big actual Kirk. voice. 
going on there. And this this was a yeah, a fantastic switcheroo. And especially having George do it, it was like, oh, this is beautiful. They're, That's they're, literally they're what games. I just said. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> they're playing games within the game on yeah. this. Totally. It's beautiful. Great. I'm going to ask another question that I'm serious about because I want to get your comment on it. When we had the Deep Space Nine episode a couple of weeks ago, which was great, we talked about Armin Shimmerman returning as Quark. And he sounded, it, it, to me, he sounded different. Um, some of the some of the dialogue that he had, it didn't sound like Quark, even though it was Armin Shimmerman. And I found myself thinking the exact same thing with Sulu, that it didn't sound like Takei. And I'm just wondering if that's something that has to do with how voice acting is different than when you're regularly acting. Did you find yourself thinking that at all, Casey, or am I just in a field by myself? Ah, well, on that, Dan, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think part of it can be, you know, the, the, the actors have aged and there are certain things. Uh, and depending on where they are, where this was recorded, I think if you're on stage, you're in full makeup, you're in costume, you have your prosthetics going on, there can be a very different headspace of, of where you are. Yeah. As opposed to if you're just going into a recording booth, you're in your civvies. And, you know, people are, are talking with you left and right, not as characters, but either, a, you know, a director, or an engineer or whatever. Um, I, you know, I do find that George has a distinctive voice that w- when he talks, I, I hear Sulu, where, whatever it is. I mean, it's not always the same characterization or emphasis on certain things, but... Um, you know, I, I I think people change, and you know, physically they can change. Vocal cords can change. All of that, and you know, he's mm-hmm. a different person that he is now than last movie. Anytime we really got to hear him, Bill, what do you think? I, I thought it was immediately identifiable as George right away. Um, I didn't have any doubts. I didn't think he sounded all that different because. I mean, I've seen him at plenty of cons recently and he sounds pretty much the same. True. Um, plus, I mean, you figure the dude's 85 now. Yeah. Um, the last time he was in a Star Trek movie um, was <laughs> a 19 or 30 years ago wow. when he was 55 um, <laughs> yeah. or, or about that age. So, I mean, uh, uh, we all sound differently as we get older. True. Um, but I thought for me, uh, I thought it was immediately identifiable, but I get totally where you're coming from. Yeah. But and, and and I'm not taking anything away from it. It was it yeah. was it was great. It was yet another amazing example of the incredible guest voice acting that they've mm-hmm. had all mm-hmm. season long. This one was one of the tops because it came completely out of left field. Um and I and I absolutely absolutely loved it. Um one thing I did want to say guys is I don't care what is at the end of the rainbow, what's in that pot if it's a pot of gold or whatever i am never ever going to look for a treasure or the meaning of life for that matter if it means having to look at a skin map that you have to squeeze together (laughs) to get the secret message from that was just ew 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 (laughs) that was gross I'm it was not like afraid to say it. was like sharing a hotel room with you in Vegas. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> oh, oh. <my. laughs> I, that was, people know what I go through now. <laughs> there, there have been very few pukey moments in Lower Decks. That was one of them. I'm gonna. I'm not going to lie. That was that was pretty. That was pretty gross. <laughs> you know, I I, I got to say, I want to go back to Tatashore Nine for a second. Yes, because I think in many ways, 
Boimler manage Boimler sequel is essentially a star Wars movie. Um, if you think hmm. about it in many ways, except uh, Tata shore nine is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> so it's most icely in this case, uh, with the exception of the whole star Trek five piece, you know, we've got the speeder bike chase, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Oh, that's true. Um, yep. You know, you've got uh, all kinds of, of different stuff going on, but there were really aspects of this that were very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very cool for Boimler's cinematic adventure. I thought it really upped the stakes. It, but um, but yeah, the, the, the back map with the, the, the Kitty Ha yeah. was... Um, Kitty Ha. Yeah. It's funny that you talk about Star Wars with the, with the um, speeder bike chase because I don't know if the writers or the animation team had any insight to the um, season five of Discovery, but as we saw at New York Comic Con last week, there is like a speeder bike, bike type chase that's taking place in Discovery. And from what I could see in the Discovery trailer and what these bikes look like, they looked a lot alike. So I'm wondering if there was some cross collaboration going on. They, they almost look like riding a warp engine and, and that seems pretty cool. These grab cycles. Uh, I would like to see these more. Oh, we saw mm-hmm. it. Remember we saw it in what episode was yes. it? We saw the, uh, the Admiral with like the little sidecar on it, on the warp bike. Oh yeah. But these looked cool even too. better. Oh, they did. But it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting that we can even be a passenger on one, <laughs> I guess. Um, I have, I, I have, a, I have three words for you guys. I am Nick knack. <laughs> My favorite Nap- line of the whole episode. Knapsack. <laughs> Tic Tac just like arbitrarily <laughs> throw that in every future lower decks recording. I'm just gonna throw out I am Nick Knack sometimes. Then you're great. never gonna know what's gonna happen. Great, so, great. So congratulations. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank <awesome>. you. <laughs> Casey, give us some ideas of what you thought were some of the best parts of this episode. Oh, there there's so many, but I mean, come on. We had the Terminator punks in this okay <laughs> that was lovely when mariner has to step over the widescreen lower <laughs> black bar i was like oh what a great visual joke that that is fantastic you know return of the denoble sisters the choo-choo song we actually get to hear yep. a bit of the choo-choo song yep. so there was just bit by bit by bit by bit and this is another really deep episode. I mean, yeah. Boimler basically, oh, I got killed. What, what yeah. is the purpose yeah. of my life? What's going on? And I love how this season is really <sighs> character focused in a way to, to bring out more of who or what they are while still retaining humor. But I think, I think we're seeing just a, a Really cool evolution of the show. It kind of channels, you know, Boimler's reaction to, to William's death, his meaningless death, which honestly to me was more meaningless than Tasha Yar's, quite frankly. Um, really kind of evokes Spock's um, realization in Star Trek Beyond when Spock Prime uh, has died. You know, that uh, he has essentially died in some mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that the examination in Lower Decks was done exceptionally well. I mean, his rage and his preoccupation is totally on point for what's going on. I mean, and I suspected something was up at the time, but to find out what it was really kind of hit me hard. And I felt really sad for him. Um, so I thought it was done it, it incredibly effectively in this episode. 
I agree. And that's something that we really haven't talked about that much is is he's all gung-ho for, for really doing better than, than uh, Mariner at the beginning of this episode. He gets called to Ransom's office, and when he comes back, he's got circles under his eyes like I do most of the time. And, and he just is – he's taken out of it. And, and when we find out why, that was a big moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's lost himself, and now as a result of losing, quote, himself, he's lost, which is why he decides to go off on this separate holodeck adventure to find out what the meaning of life is, which, although is very serious and has some great moments, there's a lot of humor thrown in as well, which is why I think it, as with everything with Lower Decks, it really works. Well, it's why the more you know salient moments shine through, mm-hmm. you know, it's because it's mm-hmm. it's... It's sandwiched inside this humor, which is done really well, but they still are able to make the serious points that they're trying to. Um, It's one of the things that Lower Decks has excelled at ever since episode one, and it's really on display here in in Paradoxes. Right. And uh, Casey, one of the other things, not only do we we have the loss of of William Boimler, but we watch Dr. Ta'ana disintegrate in front of our eyes. That was... Even though it was a holodeck, that was kind of like, oh my god, I cannot even believe this is happening. And then on top of that, we find out that Tendi wants to be a captain. Someone crack a the- window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. I mean, fried cat, never a good smell. Um, <laughs> but I, I love that Tendi spoke out loud her ambition. And... Um, and how supportive Rutherford was like, oh yeah, you're good. You're going to make a great captain. And for her, she has this unwavering support from her friends and Tendi's Tendi's got it to be a captain in, in the future. And you, you can see with her, there's just so much more boiling up, not in a bad way at all, but so much more to her that we're going to get to explore. And I, I was thrilled to hear her say that and what the possibilities for that could be in our future. It's interesting that you say that because in, in all honesty, when you look at the four prime characters in Lower Decks, she really is the one that I think is most Captain material. Boimler has got self-confidence issues. Mariner can fly off the handle way too easy. And Rutherford's got a lot of history that he has to figure out with the cybernetics. Tendi seems to be the one that's the surest of herself. And I was very, very happy to see her come out and say, sort of like we saw in Discovery, um, that she wants to be captain. I don't know, Bill. Am I, am, I, am I on the right page here? I think you're on the right page. I think Rutherford's just happy being an engineer. Um, I think that's his happy place. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd want to be captain, even if it were captain of engineering like Scotty. Um, but but I think you're right. I, I think Boimler, uh, as much as he has that aspiration, uh, it w- I think it's going to take something momentous to to really push him there. I don't think it'll ever happen for Mariner. Um, I think she'll be lucky if she makes lieutenant. Yeah. You know, it, it, in reality, but you know, mm-hmm. Tendi Tendi showed some real promise. I mean, using the chronogami uh, to her advantage was just so Kirk. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it, really it was. was very, very old school Starfleet. Um, and I think she's got potential. I think she could do it. I really do. And and I'm, I'm sorry. I, when I talked about discovery, I forgot to mention, I was talking about Tilly, how all of a sudden we found out that she right. wanted to be a captain. Sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. I neglected to say that. And yes, I want, 
um, the Star Trek merchandise people. I'm talking to you, Van Sitters. I want a Chromagami. <laughs> I want so, <laughs> so that Chromagami effect is amazing. And what a great plot dev- device for, yeah. the, for a Lower yes. Decks episode. I can see a whole Lower Decks spinoff series based on the Chronogami actually being a thing. Sort of like Lower Decks Time Police of sorts. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody's going through and changing history, almost like a, a Quantum Leap or a, um, uh, I can't even remember the name of the show that was on a few years ago. Timeless. Timeless. That's it. Um, I think it would be super cool, but it would be the perfect way to do it in animated form. We got to see some interesting parts of Starfleet history, including what we saw in Enterprise's finale, the forming of the Federation. We got to see mm-hmm. some part of the of Starfleet when they were going through some kind of like bacteria mold infestation or something, which yeah. required that the squid, uh, the squid ambassador, which I thought was was kind of funny. I I thought they were going to kind of show up at the Cetacean Institute from Star Trek Four, but they really didn't do that, Casey. But uh, it, I agree with Bill. That could be a whole different spinoff that they could have some really great fun, sort of like the Marvel What If comics back in the day and the TV series on Disney Plus. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you bring up a nice thing like that, <laughs> you're really opening more doors than you're ever closing. So this is just another example of, well, hey, we, you know, if that's an idea that can be fully developed great and if not hey we hold it back for ourselves for later on where hmm all of a sudden i don't know maybe season six seven or eight of lower decks this now becomes a reality and they have to face it and who's dealt with it before the lower deckers right the 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 least important as some would say can Mm -hmm. be the most important well it's proof that that everybody has something to contribute in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. You know, even the most lower of lower deckers is ultimately incredibly important in the operation of a starship and on any given mission. And we learn that week after week on this show. Except for Peanut Hamper. Well, but they Peanut Hamper abandoned them. So. Uh, <laughs> to go get right. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Oh, I don't want to even get back into what we talked about last week. But once we, we're going we're gonna to do a quick message from Fansets right now, and then we're going to get into the final part that I want to talk about this episode, which was absolutely awesome. Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. They have been a core part of the entire network for years, and we are so proud of our relationship with them. Yeah, we absolutely are, man. We met them in Vegas the first year they were in business, and right from the start, we knew that there was something very special about them. Lou, John, and the entire team at Fansets are truly wonderful people, and just like all of you, they're huge Star Trek fans. They love every part of the franchise, and that love and dedication goes into every single Star Trek pin they produce. And there are a lot of them. They have over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins, and they have new releases every single month. And as a sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, we get to give away fanset stuff all the time. So you definitely want to keep your ears open for any new announcements where you can win some awesome Star Trek pins. So friends, head on over to fansets.com. Check out their amazing inventory of not only Star Trek pins, but also some other awesome genres and put a bunch of pins in your cart. And maybe even some accessories like those incredible locking backs to keep your pins secure. Or hey, maybe even an amazing gift certificate for a friend or a podcast co-host. Then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you automatically get free shipping in the U.S. 
Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap it up kind of in the next few minutes, but we have to talk about the end. I mean... I love oh, a happy ending. I, I was so excited. You know, they talked about how Crisis Point 2 didn't end with a cliffhanger. So you just knew <laughs> that the episode would. And oh my God, what a doozy. I actually thought it was still part of the simulation at first, but then I'm like, I'm stupid. And I realized it wasn't. William Boimler gets woken up on a Defiant-like starship, which A, was awesome. Mm-hmm. B, gets recruited into Section 31. Holy sh- bleep. And then... He actually has a line about why does Section 31 need a badge when they're supposed to be secret? Do you remember we talked about that in episode three of this podcast? (laughs) We did. That was my first criticism of the episode. Yep. Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. um, The first one with Captain Lorca. What are the Why do they have badges? (laughs) They are Section 31. And I I just, seeing that, I I spit spit my water halfway across the room. It was beautiful. That is what I love about this writing team. And people can say we just are always giving them compliments because we're shills and what. No, this is awesome. They have... They have heard all of these type of things like we talked about on Discovering Trek about these badges. They probably think it themselves, and then they figure out a way to write it into an episode that makes it hilarious, and I just absolutely thought it was fantastic, Casey. It is. They have badges. It's the silliest thing on the planet. It might, they might as well walk in with little you know, trucker caps that say FBI on the top of it type of a deal. Um, <laughs> this is just another great example of this, yeah, this writing team kind of, you know, spearing their own of just like, come on now, y'all could do better than this. And <laughs> hey, the great thing is though, there's a new Delta, all black. So, you know, fansets, come fansets on. Fansets loves it. Giddy up. <laughs> fansets. And honestly, let's, uh, I'm selfish, okay? This is the perfect time to bring back Bill Sadler as Sloan. Oh, man. Yes. Because if I, there was a way to do it, I mean, because we don't, we assume that he died at the end of Inter Arma Einem Sealant, like us in Deep Space Nine. Ooh, nice. Wow, thank nice. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever else, or even at the end uh, where they explore his brain in season seven. Um, what if he didn't really die? Okay. Uh, this, you may seem, you may think I'm crazy. I am going to send a message yeah. to Mike McMahon when we are done recording, and I'm dead serious. And I'm going to say, Mike, we just talked about the episode. you got to figure out a way to bring back Bill Sadler to voice Sloan in an upcoming season with this whole Because I'm sure 31. he'd do it. Oh. I, I'm, I am going to text it. I'm going to send him a message as soon as we're done. Absolutely. Because I, you all know how I love Bill yeah. Sadler. I mean, it was great talking to him on Trek Geeks, and I love the character of Sloan. And I also think it's great that they brought back the badges from Discovery, even though we never saw the badges in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> well, because by then, you yeah. know, it was a sh- the ultimate shadow organization. You know? Exactly. You follow the, the Discovery through line through season two yeah. when everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Section 31 has reasserted itself and is back in good graces with Starfleet. We don't know. Absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to see. It kind of reminded me of the whole um, when Riker's duplicate showed up on Deep Space Nine in the episode mm-hmm. Defiant. Peels off, the... Part, peels off the beard. <laughs> he wasn't a member of Section 31, but uh, instead of the Maquis, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. 
And we never got to see what happened with that Riker. I can't wait to see what happens with this Boimler. Because you know he's coming back. He is definitely coming back. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So what else we got, guys? Is that about it or anything else we want to talk about specific to this episode that we forgot? How can we not talk about the Wright Brothers flyer? Evoking V'ger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Kidding. Well, I wanted to talk about it. I had it in my notes about movies, but nobody wanted to listen to me anymore. <laughs> well, it's because you... Well, you, that's true. You're blowing everything out at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, anyway, um, yes, Kitty Hawk. Yes, that was very good. V'ger, yep. And I awesome. have one other obscure reference. Hmm. Um, ah. at the scene in Australia in the 80s where the, the Terminator punks come out. <laughs> the one missing thing for me as a fan of bad movies would have been a reference to the Australian classic BMX Bandits, which is the worst movie ever produced in Australia. And it was also Nicole Kidman's first movie. That would have been an amazing, deep, deep, deep level cut. No idea. Um, Trust me, um, it would have been awesome. Was that one of your bad movie night movies? Uh, I've got a long story about that movie that was given (laughs) to me by a friend, by Dan Kreger from Australia, um, (laughs) who we've had on Trek Geeks. Um, and it's, it's just, it, it is putrid. It really is. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> oh, so many, so many great things. That would have been cool to add that to the list, but so many great things in this episode, guys. Um, it was fun. Uh, it had, it had meaning. I, I just thought it was great. Um, as I said before, I just love how this writing team can really spread its wings, even though that's probably something I should have said last week with the bird people, um, but spread its wings with imagination in a holodeck adventure. It was a lot of fun, and the season just continues to be amazing, Casey. Oh, absolutely, Dan. I mean, it, come on. It was fun. It's exciting, heartfelt, everything. Wonderful episode. And, you know, can't wait to see what's up next. But we literally have no idea what's coming yet. So, you all will be just as surprised as we will be with episode number nine. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. And also, don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited audio of all of our podcasts, plus a whole bunch of other perks. Yeah, and you want that unedited audio this week. That's for sure, (laughs) don't you? First, we want to take a moment to thank our amazing producers of Discovering Trek. So grateful for their support each and every week. Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Jazz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, who? I, I don't know, some dude, uh, Kenny Loggins, that's who it was, Terry Schull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. The senior producer of Trek Geeks is the frequently phenomenal Jude Tatman. Jude Tatman. Hey, all y'all. If you'd like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at a mere 20 dimes a month. Oh, I wonder which currency we'll get next week. Loonies. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please do check out the other member podcasts here on the Trek Geeks podcast network. People are discovering our shows every single day, as we found out on Twitter just this week, and you could be next. 
So many great shows produced by passionate fans who just want to share their love of Star Trek and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks podcast network. No one, no one, no one talks Trek like we do. Absolutely. Well, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us for our discussion on Lower Decks Episode 8, Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus. A great adventure with some real growth for Boimler as he deals with loss. And the best part is that he doesn't even know that there wasn't really any loss. So I'm kind of at a loss. Uh, anyway, uh, I'd certainly be lost if I wa- if it wasn't for my two co-hosts, Bill and Casey. Thanks, guys, as always, for such great fun and discussion. And also a huge thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us talk about this week's episode of Lower Decks. I'm looking forward to doing it all again next week as the three of us sit down to talk about the penultimate episode of Season 3 with Episode 9. So until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by 5-Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.